So I think that maybe with this episode, we should retire the thing that mostly I have been saying, but I think you've said it before too, which is that we don't know if an episode is good, but we enjoyed it because... (laughs) I think that there's a lot of Star Trek episodes like that. A lot of the most enjoyable ones, actually, the ones that are like really goofy and silly and not not necessarily uh, issue based. Uh, the, <laughs> I, but like, I don't know. I liked it. I liked today's episode. I don't really care. If it was I, yeah, good or I, bad. I really enjoyed it. I, I I don't know. Is that just our sense of like I don't know our sense of humor or like our sense of what we like that we are more entertained by what other people may consider like campy or schlocky type stuff. But if that's not what you, if you don't like that about Star Trek, then what are you doing? You know what I mean? (laughs) There's so much of that kind of thing in Star Trek that you have to want to enjoy that stuff along along with the other stuff. Yeah, Star Trek is is one of those things that I feel like kind of knows when to lean into it. Hi, welcome to Out of Contracts, the show where two guys who have seen part of Star Trek try to watch all of it in no particular order. I'm Ryan Howard. And I'm Brady Jungle. And today uh, we are talking about our very first uh, episode of the Star Trek animated series. It's called The Magics of Megas 2, and it is uh, the animated series season one, episode eight. Now, should we go into the little bit of animated series, like what it is? Yeah, so, before so we... I, yeah, I, because I did not look into this at all, but I was, I was curious if you knew or not, like, why does the animated series exist? Was it like a budget thing or a, like a network broadcast type thing or? So, yeah, I think that the, you know, the, the, the original show was in, was, was kind of in cancellation danger a couple of times. Like it, it was canceled after season two, I believe, and was saved by a letter writing campaign. And then it was ultimately canceled in season three, partially because I think the fan advocacy for it was not as high after season three, which was generally considered to be the worst season, which, and just, you know, for reference, that episode we just did a couple episodes ago, or a few episodes ago, the Elan of Troyes, mm-hmm. uh, that episode is from uh, season three, so. Okay. Um, Fair enough. So, given a small sample size. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it looks like this, st- the, the show started, the animated series started in uh, 1973, and it, I'm... I'm trying to figure out like why they okayed it and that I cannot tell right now, but it certainly was like a cheaper thing. It, w- it was conceived of as like a budget Star Trek, I, I believe, because originally they were only going to have the original, like the main three dudes do their voices and then have other people play the other characters. And that the reason that they ended up bringing back everybody except for Walter Koenig was that Leonard Nimoy basically demanded that he basically said, you know, do this or I'll walk. Uh, you, you bring these people back or I'll walk. And then it's the animation is done by uh, uh, Filmation or Nirvana. Are those two the same thing? I'm, but it's, it's done by like a, a notoriously, you know, low budget, not very good uh, hmm. animation studio. You know, the, the, the Star Trek animated series is, is famous for the character animations anyway being, you know, very, uh, as Kim said when she was watching this with me today, very ugly. <laughs> Um, uh, but, uh, although I, I have, uh, I think a little bit more positive things to say about the animation later, but, but, uh, you know, so it, it, obviously you can tell there's a lot of reused, uh, frames, you know, stills in this episode alone. Yeah. And I remember when I, I've watched this whole show, which is not, there's not very much of it. There's like 22 episodes of it in total over two seasons and the, you, you watch it and, and there's, 
there's a ton of especially like talking animations where it's just it's clearly just the same thing that they use in like every episode um yeah there so. was i think the one i noticed was there's a shot of like spock leaning over his scanner at like a specific angle that i think mm-hmm. that that shot at least of spock's head i could definitely see a bunch of times yeah i, I think about there's there's they there's this weird i think they only use the shot once in this episode but they use it all the time on the show which is like a close-up on like like the 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 left side of the frame will be a close-up on somebody's eye and there's like stuff in the background and like the eye is like starts to like squint in like confusion or interest or something and they use that all the time too and this one they use it like once for spock but they use that same thing all all the time so Hmm. uh yeah i ran for a couple seasons not very long um but the thing I like about it is that, and I believe, I could be wrong about this, I, I should have probably looked at it before we started, but I believe that uh, this show is not canon, or at least it was not a, it was not considered to be canon at, at some point anyway. Hmm. And uh, and there, there are reasons that make sense why it would not be, uh, because it is, you know, there's, there's a lot of stuff in it where it seems to contradict other ideas, or there's, I think, you know, I was talking to you about this, this offline at one point, that there's an episode where they go to, like, Warp 20 or something like that. <laughs> right. It, it does, it, uh, I'm, I'm reading a, a little paragraph about it on Memory Alpha right now, and it says, uh, With the release of the animated series DVD, the studio appears to have changed its stance and is leading towards the animated series being part of the established Star Trek canon. Previously, it was not considered part of canon by Paramount. Um, oh, it's Rel- for a while. They just, like, pretended it didn't exist. Yeah. His references from the series have gradually become more accepted in other Star Trek series, most notably on Deep Space Nine and Enterprise. But uh, Roddenberry said that if he had known there would be more live-action Trek in the future, the animated series would have been far more logical and quote, canonable, or he might not have produced it at all. But anyway, though, the, what I like about it is that, you know, the 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 original uh, William Shatner narrated opening of the original series says that the, sh- the, the ship is on a five-year mission, but then they only had three seasons. And there's two more seasons of the animated series, so to me, I, I like to kind of pretend that it's, this is the end. Like, the rest of the five-year mission. Is, yeah, it's the rest of the five-year mission, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, but anyway. Uh, so now I remember also from when I watched this several years ago that not really thinking it was very good, although there was some interesting ideas in terms of like there's they used animation to convey some stuff that they couldn't do with the effects of the time. And uh, I mean, know, I feel I, like I, this episode in particular is an example of that. Like, I don't think you could have made this at the time. Right. But I, but I, what I'm saying is that I I remember I remembered this the show more as as an interesting cur- curio than anything else because there was only if you had asked me about it before I watched this episode that we watched today, I would have said that there's really only one episode of the original series that I really liked, which I believe is episode 2, uh, episode 2 or 3 of the original of of, of or the, the animated not, series. Not, yeah, not of the original series, of the animated series that I really liked and I believed the, and I believe that was episode like 2 or 3 of the show which is called Yesteryear, which is a really good episode. And I rewatched that one recently, you know, in my on my own time and and still thought it was quite good, but that being said, I really enjoyed it. This episode that we watched today. <laughs> I, I I did too. I guess to to spoil. Yes, I I had a lot of fun with this one. Yeah, I think also it's worth noting that these this is the only Star Trek up to this point. Now I think the other animated series that's coming out uh, that's allegedly coming out this year I think is also in this format. But this is up to this point the only Star Trek that is uh, like a twenty two minute show. 
instead of uh, mm-hmm. you know you know the full hour or forty minutes. Um, and so they they they're they're telling their stories a little bit differently too because of that format. They have to kind of come up with simpler plots, but and then you know do some some exposition to to kind of get them there. And they're also but they're also like I was noticing watching this that they're edited differently because. You watch like the original series or especially uh, Next Generation, I feel like, and there it really takes a good long while for things to happen sometimes. Like you, you'll, you know, you'll watch. They talk about this a lot on Trucks in the City. You watch a TNG episode and Riker will say, well, I need to go talk to the captain. And then he'll stand up and then there'll be a shot of him walking over to the door and push, you know, and, then, and like when the door will open and then he'll walk in, you know. They just he'll say kind of, deck three and then yeah. yeah like and everyone will everyone will take their sweet time like and they show all of it you know like they're not um i believe the the film term is like they're they're not cutting on movement or cutting on action or something like that i'm uh but but the this i i, I think because just because they have to get things done there's a couple times where i was watching it and just thinking oh like that you know this happens immediately after this it happens immediately after this and and there's not a, like a lot of there's not there's not like a lot of standing around or walking around like it's it's all just like conveying information uh so anyway that was uh you know a little a little thing i noticed just because due to the format so uh but yeah why don't we i actually did a more research on this episode than i usually do <laughs> which maybe nice. will seem unwarranted when you when we actually talk about what the episode is about but yeah because again because it is a it definitely is a episode that's half the length of of what we usually watch so there's at first first blush there may seem to be not quite as much content there but yeah but I, i'm guessing we will we will talk about the episode we will this episode of the podcast will be longer than the episode itself i'm gonna i'm gonna wager so <laughs> probably yeah uh but uh, yeah why don't you t- t- talk to us about t- let's let's talk about what the episode actually yeah so this episode um i guess just to uh quickly this this episode was written by larry brody and was directed by hal sutherland um oh right thank the, you and the uh, our little synopsis on Memory Alpha is, while investigating the theory of creation, the Enterprise is caught inside an energy-matter tornado. After emerging from the storm, the crew encounter a world where magic works and science doesn't. So yeah, so it starts out with um, the the little like captain's log voiceover by Kirk is kind of explaining that there's this theory that if they that at the center of the universe, basically the point at which like if the universe really was created by uh, like a big bang type of thing, there's a point at the center where it all would have started, and they're going there to investigate this theory that potentially matter is still being created, like matter and energy are still coming from that point. Now, can I? Uh, interrupt just for a second to say that they don't actually say it's the center of the universe uh they say that it's the center of the galaxy oh which, really i missed that yeah um which is that's I'm, and i'm and i'm looking up the center of the galaxy on memory alpha right now and which is also apparently where they go in the final frontier where they go try to meet god which which like which is another weird like uh thing which i'll i'll get to in a second I'll get yeah to I, we're gonna have to talk about the final frontier i think <laughs> Right, but but well, no, but I'm saying that like it's a weird a weird relation to. I think this might be. A, I guess what I'm saying is this might be a more important episode in Star Trek canon than we might originally have believed. But so I don't know if that if the implication is this is not something I looked up. Not one of the things I researched. But the implication seems to be that either the Milky Way galaxy is important or that the Milky Way galaxy is at the center of the universe uh, because <laughs> it in both this and Final Frontier, they go to the center of the galaxy rather than 
the yeah. center of the universe. So either that or each galaxy has their own god, maybe. Right. I, I was also curious as to um, like if you go to the center of I think mean, we talked about this before, but like if you go to the center of the galaxy, then could you then do like kind of a, a four corners Arizona thing where you can like have part of you in all of the four different quadrants of the galaxy or like how you know that's another <laughs> that's one of those true. like how how do they split the galaxy's quadrant quadrants up you know yeah but anyway yeah you would think if they could get to the center maybe uh, you uh, that's, get that's, to the, the delta and gamma quadrant which is apparently a big deal otherwise yeah well you know, that, that's one of like the things about um the animated series that i think happens quite a bit is that they just kind of they 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 engage with a lot of kind of really crazy topics that because it's a like a definitely a kid show and like this you know 22 minute thing that they it's all just kind of like tossed off like yeah they're just kind of at the beginning of the episode they're like well we went to the center of the galaxy yeah it, and it does open like kirk kind of explains why they're going there and then the next thing is they're on the bridge and sue is just like captain we've arrived at the center of the galaxy <laughs> and, and it's just like it's like that, that seems oh, well, like it should be more deal. yeah more important than what you're making it out to be but that, i feel like that happens a lot in the animated series from from my recollection so yeah um and then so as they like fly into the the center of the galaxy they get caught up in this uh, sort of whirlwind of matter and energy that's very much um you know one of those a- areas where the the animation of the show kind of comes through that basically you see the enterprise and you see little like fireworks around it in the same four places each time and then there's this like swirling wind that blows by i i loved this part of it really you know the animation it's maybe not like awesome they clearly like are using parts of it but this is like a real to me thing of they took like their limited resources and they they used them to their full effect because right there's some you know the, the wind is reused the explosions are reused but there's a lot of like color and energy to this stuff like like the backgrounds in all these sections are like really cool looking they're like these weird kind of psychedelic color yeah. displays there's another part where it, in this in the same segment where like there's these different like kind of like a rainbow of of like radiation waves seem to be like coursing through the ship and i really enjoyed like looking at this stuff a lot now i i, w- I wanted to kind of use one of these portions for the episode image and i, and I ended up using um something else we'll talk about later instead because it was also very funny to me but but i actually i think that the i think that the backgrounds on this show a lot of the time anyway and also i think some like a lot of their the space effects in the show i think are actually pretty i enjoy looking at them for what they are like i do i do think it is like a kind of a a, taking the limited resources and and finding ways to yeah it's definitely like working within your like the fact that you're doing a an animated uh, show. Yeah. Where, where, yeah. Whereas I, I would say the 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 human the character modeling leaves a lot to be res- desi- right. desired. On the other hand, but yeah, and I, I I think especially like the very next part is is very like cool to see what they do with the animation because as they sort of pass through this storm, they end up being transported into a essentially like an alternate dimension. Like they say, there's some place that's like outside of both what we know as time and space. Um, and and the, they kind of go through a lot of like weird images of things coming, and I think that's when the like psychedelic colors fly through, and there's just kind of uh, like random bowl type objects sort of fly past the oh, ship. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they just kind of do a lot as many like effects and things as they can to make it look like as sort of unnatural as possible. Um, and it's, they, it's very trippy. It's very like yeah, late sixties, early seventies aesthetic, which I like. 
Yeah, and then they come on a pl- the the candy planet. Um, right. So. <laughs> yeah, it looks like um, yeah, it looks like an old like hard candy that like an yeah, an it's got this sort of like red and white swirl going around it. Yeah, um, a, a little bit like a, a root beer barrel almost, uh, or something. Yeah, like that. yeah, something like that. And then and then that's where they encounter. I think he shows up on the ship, right? Um, this uh, this creature who calls himself Lucian, who's uh, like uh, sort of the kind of typical like fawn, uh, uh, I think is is what that mythical being is. But he's right. he's got like the torso of a very muscular man. He's extremely um, ripped, yeah, yeah, <laughs> with separately animated arms. Um, yes, and these like little horns and this beard and big smile, and then the legs and feet and tail of a goat. Now, some, some sort of hooved. Yeah. No, no, I I had seen this episode before, but I had forgotten all about it when I watched it. And so when I first see this guy appear on my screen, I think to myself, he looks a lot like the devil. And then he says that his name is Lucian. And I think to myself, hmm, that sounds a lot like Lucifer, a.k.a. the devil. Right. Uh, yeah, it, so and it does kind of make you on. wonder, like, are they... I think the first thing I wondered was, like, because of, you know, because censorship in the, the 60s and 70s was, I feel, very, very different than, than what it is on television now. Like, were they not allowed to say, like, to come out and say that he's Lucifer? And so they just make him this, like, person similar to that um, or something like that was kind of my first thought. Yeah. But then as, as they interact with him he makes like he acts much more like um like someone like pan or like pan, you know, yeah, one of the, exactly. the more like kind of lighty trickster but like happy playful types of uh like i, I don't know what you would call those like, spirits or mm-hmm. uh, like mythical beings yeah a sprite or something yeah like that, yeah now uh this is something that i think is worth noting too so so the the Chekhov's not on the show and he's replaced by like a three-armed and three-legged alien who we'll get to in a bit because that made me laugh really hard something that happens with him later but uh the everyone else plays their own characters from the original show and I'm trying to find it to make sure but I believe I did I looked this up earlier and yeah that's right so uh yeah so everyone's playing their own uh yeah everyone's playing their own parts but then Lucian who is giving a great vocal performance uh, I think he's incredibly jolly kind of has a a ghost of Christmas present in the Muppet Christmas Carol vibe to his voice (laughs) I would say yeah uh, Do you he's know played... who does the voice for it? I actually just yeah he, yes, it played by James Doohan who plays yeah. Scotty. So r- good good job, James Doohan. This, this is, is great. Crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, I wanted to make sure I pointed that out because that that is one of the most delightful things about the episode is that he talks like this and he's just oh you hilarious humans you yeah. you know my man. friends yes yeah. that's good stuff yeah he's he is pretty great um so so yeah so he kind of welcomes them and is clearly very happy to see them even though they don't know who he is and then he takes them down to his planet which is called Megas 2 um and and this is where i i thought it was an interesting uh, thing because they when they first go there it's just kind of this weird again they sort of make full use of the the animated like it's these this kind of waviness and colors and lights and that um and uh there's a part where Bones looks at Kirk and he's like, Captain, something's wrong with you. And his, his body is all like twisted out and, and translucent. Str- yeah. And, and then, um, Lucian makes some comment about, I forgot how much, uh, forget what the, the word he uses, but like, um, he how important, like have like a, have like a 
bodily consistency or something like that. Yeah, is. I, I forget exactly what the the line he says, but it's something along those lines that like st- structural integrity, uh, how important that is to you humans. Um, but then he says that he he has to translate his world into symbols that your minds can understand, which I thought was just this very kind of fascinating concept that this this other universe is so different from ours, not just in like the ways you would usually think of, but that like the reality itself has to be like translated into sort of visual symbols that humans can process uh, the, the same way that like you would translate language from, you know, like things that you don't recognize into symbols that you do like recognize in your brain is made associations with that like you have to do that with reality itself mm-hmm. um you know that they're not the people there aren't don't look like people and they don't have buildings and there's not like nature and trees but that whatever the equivalent of that he translates into looking like a city with buildings and there's trees around them and people walking around and those kinds of things mm-hmm. it, during this part also he is kind of chatting with them and he kind of casually creates two apples and he uh, has holding them both and then he tosses one to McCoy to eat. And I, again, my thought process was, hmm, like in the Garden of Eden when, oh, <laughs> when yeah. someone, uh, when someone appears who appears to be the devil offers somebody else uh, some fruit. I did not make that connection. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, which again, it's clearly intentional as, as well. Yes. But. Yeah. Um, and, and so he takes them on this little tour of his world and explains that, you know, instead of what, you know, on, on our universe, we think of as the like kind of laws of how matter and science and nature work, that here it's governed by what we would call magic. And so he demonstrates magic with like creating apples. And there's a, a wizard that's like dressed in the typical like wizard robe and cap that builds buildings and like a little sort of uh these like potions that make people young and attractive and kind of all of the what would kind of can typically through in like stories and that be considered like magical spells and that um and he explains that like that's just kind of normal on this world and that a long time in the past all of his like his people went out exploring and actually came to earth and so any like essentially the implication is that all of the earth legends of any sort of magical beings or people who could do magic or that are actually real um and they were these people um and then and then he says like for some reason they had to leave and they came back here and uh and then he sends them back to their ship um because they because he he thought someone might be coming who would see them yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't want the rest of his people to to find them there, and he says like, "Go back to your ship." And he doesn't even really tell them what to do; just sort of like, "Don't be seen." And so they're just kind of sitting on the ship, and the ship still has no power and no engines, and so they can't go anywhere. And so Spock decides to try magic. So he draws a pentagram on the floor to start <laughs> with. <laughs> yes, he does. And then he, uh, and then decides to move a chess piece or Vulcan chess piece magically uh, by so, focusing and be- believing in it because the, yes, it, you know the the it's not necessarily even that magic is a thing as much as it is that this is a world in which reality is powered on your capacity to believe in the ability you have to affect change essentially is, is what they kind of talk about later on in the episode yeah and so spock believes that he can move the chess piece and then and then magically moves the piece um and then that causes like him er, 
him doing that and like using magic then causes sort of the rest of the people on Megas to to be like alerted to that they're there. And so then they're all transported back down to Salem, Massachusetts. Uh-huh. Uh, well, and do you remember the the specific action that causes them to 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 know that causes the the Megans, as they're called, uh, to or the Megans? They, they keep saying Megans, and it sounds like they're saying Megans. But uh, do do you remember the specific thing that happens to to alert them to their presence? Oh no, is it not just Spock moving the? No, because after that, there's a very brief scene where they're teaching other people on the crew how to how to use magic, and they're teaching oh, it right. to they're teaching it to Sulu, and Sulu uses magic to create a hot woman. And then he, goes right. over, he goes over to her and starts to it, it seems like to uh, embrace her or to perhaps uh, uh, touch her in in uh, I guess we'll say an intimate way. And then before he can do so, the woman turns into Lucien, who is very mad that they have done this. And I did right. write down in my notes what was Sulu going to do with that woman? <laughs> Isn't Sulu married though? I feel like I I don't know what is making me think of this, but I feel like there's like there's an episode he's, where he's like on the phone with his wife back home or something like that oh you might be right actually i know he's he's i believe he is married to a man in uh the in the uh the the, the abrams universe oh really but i interesting which they, they they you see that in star trek beyond but i yeah, i believe he i think you're right though i think he is i think he is married to a woman in I, yeah, for some series. reason i feel like i remember it's either that he like has like during something where there's hallucinations or that he let me i'm trying to look now i guess not uh it doesn't it's not he has a daughter at some point but it looks like there's not a yeah i guess there's no mention of him having on the show having wife for some reason i remember i have this memory and it may be a different character um Mm -hmm. that i remember something where he's either like calling someone back home or like during some episode where they're you know having hallucinations or something he like sees his wife but it must have been somebody else Mm -hmm. this this scene reminded me of shore leave too where i believe in that one i think it's i think it's mccoy who imagines like a couple of uh sexy ladies and then that's on the planet you remember that episode that's the planet where they where they just like whatever they yeah becomes real uh so they reminded me of that so that's right. So yeah, Sulu makes, and then she turns into Lucian, and then he he's like, "No, don't do this. You'll be found." And then there's this booming voice of uh, um, of the of the Megans that like, "You have been found." Someone really going for it with that uh, um, with that audio too. And they're trans- <laughs> a lot of like almost just like, "Oh, I'm a ghost." Level yeah. of 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 enunciation on on the words there. Yeah. Um, and so they're transported down to a recreation, a recreation of uh, 1691 Salem, Massachusetts, um, where there's a, all of the Megans are dressed as Puritans, and they explain that when they had come to Earth, that basically the the humans always either t- tried to take advantage of them or were afraid of them and like put them on trial and burned them as witches. Um, they kind of they treated the Megans always as uh, and like mistreated them, and that's why they they fled Earth and came back to to Megas too. And so now they're putting in a not unheard of in Star Trek thing. They are putting 
this group of humans like on trial on yes. behalf of humanity as a and whole. Also, uh, th- this is the part that made me laugh out loud, which is so they're putting they put all of the characters in stocks uh, in this part, like they're, they're in the recreation of Salem, and all the all the characters on the Enterprise and Lucian yeah. are are in stocks, and uh, there so uh, there's there's no uh, Chekhov on the ship in this show. And he's replaced by an alien named Rx, I believe is how you say his name, and who's also voiced by James Doohan, although he doesn't have any speaking lines, I don't think, in this episode. But yeah, I don't think I. I think he's. You could kind of see him in the background a few times, but right. I don't think he. But he he, he is in stocks in the scene, and he has three arms, and so there are three different holes in the stockade as for all three of his arms. And it's extremely, it's extremely funny. <laughs> really? I didn't get Yeah, that. it's really good. It's very, very good stuff. But yeah, just there's very small, small details, not like called attention to it at all, but just in the background of multiple shots, you can just see this this dude with his three arms, and then he's got three legs too, so his three legs are like below the stocks. It's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, and so... So then uh, Spock, because he's not human, acts as like the the lawyer defending the humans and explains that, you know, they've they've changed and they went out into space and have become like they formed the Federation and, you know, now try to treat all people fairly and equally. (laughs) And I think this is the point where he offers to let them he offers to to let the Megans review uh, all of the records of humanity from the ship. Kirk up, Kirk offers to do that. Which, yeah. or is it? Yeah, which I'm I'm guessing that is the is what you're using as our. <laughs> no, but that was also um, extremely good. Yeah. Our, uh, nope, I, we have not gotten to it yet. But, uh, that that was also very funny. Because, yes, with the revelation okay. that they they look at all of their records and it appears to be a bunch of pieces of paper and film reels, like physical film reels. <laughs> yeah. It's film reels and like uh like punch cards for I, I think they were supposed to be like punch cards for uh computers. It was yeah, that was very very funny. Just <laughs> but yeah. They go kind of flying through the air and they they review all of those. Uh and the scene is also like very very short because and so they it is only a 22 minute show and so basically they he calls lucian and lucian says a couple of things about like why he decided to let people and then like kirk is just like check us out we're fine and then and then they do and they're like yeah it all checks out you guys are fine because we only have a few minutes left of the episode (laughs) yep yeah um and so they decide to let the humans go but they say that because Lucian kind of went against their uh, their rules and brought these humans to their planet, that he needed to be like imprisoned forever. And the whole, I guess I, we didn't mention this yet, but one of the things that Lucian explains to them earlier is, for some reason on on Megas Two, everybody is a specialist in their own type of magic. Like everyone is kind of the like has. Uh, one thing that they know everything about and that they do. Um, and Lucian is different because he kind of dabbles in a little bit of everything. And that was why he was so drawn to humans and kind of, you know, considers them his friends. And that is, is it makes him, you know, because humans are the same way that no person has like all of the knowledge about anything that they have to act in community and share with each other and interact with each other and they have the kind of this curiosity to always be learning more and that he you know he sees kind of kindred kindred spirit in that and so he especially like to be imprisoned and not be able to interact with anybody ever would be like torture for him because he that's sort of his whole thing is he uh 
you know, he's all about interact, like interacting mm-hmm. with others and, and that. And so Kirk is like, no, you can't do this to Lucian. You have to let him go. And then in order to like rescue Lucian gets into a fight, like a, a magic duel with Asmodeus, who is the kind of the leader mm-hmm. or the prosecutor in this. I remember, trial. remember the name Asmodeus um, for later. Who is by still the way. dressed as a Puritan. Okay. Um, and so, so the, and, and I think Spock tells him, you know, Kirk, you have to believe that you can use magic for this. And then Kirk, like, jumps up, flexes his muscles, and then they start, like, shooting magic at each other um, in this, like, great, like, ridiculous but just yeah. glorious, like, so much fun scene of Captain Kirk getting in a wizard duel with a demon who's dressed as a pilgrim in order to save... I think it's... Is it before this? that When, it, when does the big reveal come that Lucian actually is, um, like, the actual devil? This is before this, yeah, because the, I think he it's says before that he, this because I think I think Kirk decides to save him even though he knows that. Like Asmodeus is like, "Are you sure you want to save him?" Even he he he's says, "Yeah, he's the one the you devil? call the, you know the tempter, uh, Lucifer." Is his real? You know, is what people call him. And then Kirk just says, "Well, yeah. we're not really interested in legends. He's a living being, and we need you know we we don't we're not going to take part in his punishment, basically." Which seems like a violation of the Prime Directive, but you know we're kind of off the grid at this point. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so there, this this is another. There's another part of this. The, the part of this battle was another part that I considered using for the. It's really hard for me to decide what to use for the the uh, the image in this one. But uh, there's yeah, it was great, and I, I know not all of our listeners may be able to watch this episode. Oh, yeah, we should have said that earlier. A, yeah, we concluded right that this one is a is like the animated series right now is only on yeah. CBS All Access, um, which which is a shame because it's it's a lot of. It's just a lot of fun to watch, and it's a real yeah. treat for the yeah. Yeah, but also. there's this there's this still of it where he Kirk is kind of trying to resist the magic, and he's just kind of like on one knee, and his hands are kind of covering his arms, are kind of covering his his face, and then there's this crazy like green and red like striped background behind him, and it just again it just looks so like psychedelic and cool. <laughs> and I was, I, again, I'm just having I'm just having at this point picture me just having a great time watching this. <laughs> But yeah, I didn't. I but that's also not the thing I used for the episode. So we we still have not reached it yet. But oh really? Okay. Um, and then uh, and and then it it turns out that this last part was actually still part of the trial or part of the test to see if humanity had really changed. That you know would they like would they essentially like risk themselves and and fight someone more powerful than them to save another being even if it was the the literal devil and and because kirk was you know was showed that nobility that he was like no this is like a individual this is a living being you can't just torture him like this i will save him um that like humanity passed the test and now they were welcome anytime they wanted to come back to to megas to so do you, do you uh, think that's do interesting so. do, do you think that this was originally planned to be part of the test or i, I kind of uh, to me i i felt like it was just a, a thing of it wasn't planned but then they were so impressed by it that they kind of gave the humans more approval and they let lucian go but you th- you think it was like Really, see, I, I, I more got the impression that it was like the whole thing was planned, and that I, it almost, I forget what exactly made me think of this, but the way they, like afterwards, after they let Lucian go, and like him and Asmodeus were both talking to Kirk, and it almost seemed like Lucian was mm. in on it too, like he also knew that that it was part of, that it was all part of the test. I mean, it may be a interpretation thing, but that was more the impression I got was that like was that whole. Huh. 
whole thing. That's not what I. That's not not, not my interpretation of it, but I, I don't think that you're wrong necessarily. I just yeah, that's that's interesting because especially at the at the end when they say the thing about him being cast out, like that that seems to me that that's it seems to me that Spock thinks that he really was going to get put away. Uh, mm, mm-hmm. That Kirk yeah. actually did like but, um, rescue yeah, him essentially. So basically, like Kirk beat Esmodius, and he was just like, <laughs> instead of admitting that he got beat, be like, <laughs> "Oh, good, you passed the test." <laughs> yeah, I let you uh, win. You see the um, well, yeah. So then, and then uh, Lucian says, "Oh, I knew you guys would would defend me." And so then he he suddenly magics uh, some a couple of tankards of ale into Spock and Kirk's hands, which is this, this, and this is the part that I, that I used for the episode because when he does this, Kirk's, the look on Kirk's face is one of, of shock and terror that, that suddenly a, uh, like a flagon of ale has been, has been teleported into his hand. <laughs> and so, yeah, then he, he and Spock and, and Lucian, uh, drink a toast, uh, together, they the they they drink a toast with the with the devil. <laughs> yep. uh, yeah, and there's a little brief scene at the um, end. Yeah, kind of the typical button on the end where they're flying off in the Enterprise, and Kirk and Spock and McCoy all kind of review what had happened. And I think McCoy asks, "Do you think that that he was actually actually the devil?" And Spock says that if he was, it would be the second time he was cast out, but the the first time that. Mm-hmm. That he was saved, and they fly or something off along those lines. So this episode is I re- again. I really, really loved it. <laughs> like I can't stress that enough. Uh, I think one of the things I like about it, maybe the main thing I like about it, is that it it gives absolutely no care to the implications that it has on either the Star Trek universe or what it's saying about Earth and religion and like it 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 doesn't I, I wrote one of the things I wrote in my notes was this is a weird whitewashing of both the Salem witch trials and the devil uh, where uh, be, because you know it basically the Salem witch trials were you know they had said we've, we kind of been persecuted before and we all ended up the ones of us who are left on earth gathered in Salem and then the witch trials happened and that's and some of us were mm-hmm. killed or and we all were left so the implication is that everyone that got burned at Salem was like an actual supernatural or yeah like extra like extraterrestrial being with and, yeah and this is again one of those powers. things where it what i was saying before of of just the show just kind of dropping these very casual revelations that are actually like completely earth-shattering events because uh, you know they also say like we 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 used to be on earth and we were called wizards so what they are saying is that magic actually is real and basically like anytime you heard about a wizard that was actually a real dude which seems like a pretty crazy thing for a star trek show yeah. to say yeah because like merlin was like one of these right. guys and, and, and then yeah. uh, so then there's that and then you know obviously they, they still kind of come down as anti-salem witch trials but maybe less so than you would be in real life where in real life it was basically a bunch of like patriarchal and like you know, property rights kind of, or, you know, property dispute kind of like terribly motivated thing where nobody actually believed they were witches and they were just, yeah, you use this as an excuse to, yeah. And this, it's like, well, they were just kind of jealous, but they were, they were actually (laughs) magic users. Like, like the people had an actual reason. Yeah, they were, they were witches. We probably shouldn't have killed them, but they were right about the whole witches part. (laughs) 
But then also, this is like, oh yeah, and the devil is real, kind of. There is a person who we, the person we thought of was of as the devil is a real guy who also like looks like what you would dress up as the devil in Halloween, you know, as well. Like, which is, right. uh, this just, there's so many things about, uh, and also like, also the, maybe... Again, it got implied like maybe the devil and a bunch of demons created the universe because that's where they that's why they're there in the center of the galaxy is to yeah because they do never really go back like they introduce the theory at the beginning of like the, is the center of the galaxy like the point of creation of matter and that and then they get whisked off to magic land and yeah. never really address their original kind right. of scientific they, they also that they you know something i i don't think you you mentioned when you were talking about how uh lucian was going to be placed in solitary confinement for eternity they actually say that he's going to be placed in limbo so also limbo or purgatory apparently is a real place that that is controlled by the these people also also the you know i was saying remember asmodeus's name asmodeus is now there's a lot of like uh kind of generally accepted not generally accepted that's not that's not the word i'm trying to use there's a lot of kind of beliefs about demons and and like satan and stuff that are not that, that a lot of people kind of incorporate into their belief systems about about that stuff that's not actually found in i guess what you would call like a canon a canonical uh religious text now obviously like you and i are coming at this from a you know we we're both raised in a in christian backgrounds but obviously there are other you know religions that that involve like demons or Satan or the devil or, or what have you. But so I don't think you can correct me around, but I don't believe that like they're individual demons who are called out by name in the Bible at all. Um, but uh, I looked up Asmodeus because I was, I thought to myself, this is a really specific name. I bet you that there's a demon somewhere that's called Asmodeus. And there is in, in like, there's, there's a, like a apocryphal, basically a uh, Judeo text uh, or there's multiple where uh, apparently it's, 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 so it's, he's a, he's a demon in uh, both Judeo and is Islamic lore, who is like the king of demons who are on earth, um, named Asmodeus or Ashmedai. And yeah, not mentioned in the Bible, but, you know, in some of these, like, you know, the book of Tobit, or uh, I think there's like a, there's like a story about Solomon yeah, okay. where he's in, in it. That's again, not in the actual, not in, not in the Bible. But uh, so that, that also is, you know, again, like drawing on like this real idea and, a real idea in the sense of like that it's a, it's a real idea that exists or has existed in the world um, that they're that they're playing with and you know too with, with with the you know with the depiction of of Lucian you know the again that maybe I, I, this I'm I guess I'm kind of coming at this from my own personal from the research that I did for this episode but also like my personal knowledge of like the Bible uh, you know they don't like say, Satan is not described in the Bible. Like his physical form is not described in the Bible, and so mm-hmm. this right. is you know, and and there's actually there's there is an extent to which like a lot of people, you know, I think especially a lot of uh, Jewish people over the years don't believe that Satan is a literal being because uh, especially in the Old Testament, 
um, there aren't actually very many mentions of Satan. Like, you know, Christians generally ascribe the, uh, they ascribe Satan to the the serpent in the Garden of Eden, but he's not actually referred to as Satan ever in, in Genesis. Yeah, it, it only just says yep. that it was and like a And so I was, I was yeah. just looking to check up on it and before I came, and there's actually only two different, like, sections of the Bible in which Satan is referred to as an actual capital S Satan in, term, in the original Hebrew, or at least as close to the original Hebrew as we have. And both of those are, like, one, one of those is in uh, Job, which, you know, is seen by some people as more of a metaphorical story than the literal one, or at least aspects of it. Uh, Job, for people who are not like big Bible readers, is uh, is a book of the Bible that kind of takes place not really in context with any other like part of the Bible as it comes as you know as it relates to like Jewish history, where it's it's about this guy who is kind of tested by Satan to kind of prove to God that if people suffer enough that they will kind of renounce God and then he and then and this this guy Job does not end up renouncing God but it uh so that you know he's he's there and then he's also he's referred to in a dream I think or a vision that Zechariah has in in the book of Zechariah so hmm. you know there there's some you know there are definitely like people who believe in the Torah or the the Bible who don't even believe in Satan as a literal uh, creature. And so I just thought that, was, again, you know, this thing of, no, Satan was real, or at least like, but, you know, that I, and I wondered too, like, so are they saying that, like, the stuff that happened in the Bible is real? Like, it was this weird thing of, I don't think that they fully kind of uh, grokked the consequences of, like, what they were trying to say in this episode, but in a pretty, like, funny way, I thought. <laughs> you know, the the other thing, too, is, and I think ultimately, like, Roddenberry's, like, anti-religion, you know, Roddenberry's, like, you know, very, like, kind of, kind of a quote-unquote, like, devout atheist, like, probably just kind of wanted to stick it to, like, the idea of the devil being a real dude and that people need to be afraid of him because like he clearly sets out in this episode to make the devil a nice guy yeah that's just kind of a friendly alien that that humanity kind of built this whole mythology around and the kind of like made sort of like the, the the humanity you know not to have a play on words but humanity demonized him to kind of make up for its own like shortcomings and w- w- like to there's an agree to which like at, at the end during the trial that you i kind of wrote down like in, in it's kind of sarcastic but kind of not like the idea kind of being like maybe the real demons are humans because they're you know they're intolerant and and <laughs> stuff like that but but then but then lucian is kind of like oh no i think humans are great though like i, I like them a lot and, and so I think that comes down to the other thing about this episode that we haven't talked about yet, which is, did you look into the origins of this episode, like what they originally wanted it to be? So I read the little bit that just on the Memory Alpha page, um, so some of the stuff about the writing of it, uh, which I don't know if no, you I mean, I, I read all that stuff, that. but I think it's, it's worth noting for people who aren't on Memory Alpha. Yeah that this was originally supposed to be about them going to the center of the galaxy or the universe or whatever and seeing God. And yeah, th- that was apparently something that Gene Roddenberry had kind of always wanted to to do and presumably did, couldn't get by the like 60s primetime network censors that they wouldn't let you do an episode of television where like you treat God like a... Uh, an alien who's not a who's not god uh an alien i guess yeah um and so he was like well maybe now that we're doing this like you know 
daytime TV animated series that no one watches, maybe we can sneak it by. Larry Brody pitched him the the idea, and he loved it, and then Brody wrote it up, and then Roddenberry took a pass on it, and then essentially they try they tried to run it by the censors, and the censors said, no, we're not going to let you do that, but you could do it with the devil if you wanted to. And so they just did it with the devil. So the, I think there's like also like an interesting thing where there, there are kind of like weird little elements of that that stay in, where some of it almost would make more sense if it was God, where, you know, the stuff where, like at the end where he's like, oh, humans are great and I love them and I want to be with them and stuff like, but again, it's just a, it's a very strange. Yeah, I guess it's it, true. It's a, I don't know. I, I think it's really interesting. And, but the implications of it, I just find to be pretty funny uh, and, <laughs> and, 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 you know, to, to a degree, like I, I think I am more uh, religious than, than Gene Roddenberry was, but I also do kind of admire, you know, there are certainly people who are like, there are people who are knowing about their beliefs or, you know, whether those people are Christians or atheists or any other religion. There are people who, who you don't really want to hear them talk about like how they're right and the people are wrong. But I think that like using this, the kind of fictional form to like, I don't know, I have to, I just have to appreciate, I think for me, no matter what I think about any of this stuff, I do kind of have to appreciate the balls that he had to do this. Like, that he was like, what if we made this cartoon and then we met someone and we said he was Lucifer at the end and then he was actually a chill dude? <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. There's something about that. And I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like captivated by like what he was attempting with this. I just think is like kind of funny and, you know, it's, it's thought-provoking yeah, in true. a way after after a, a, a fashion. But yeah, I don't know. It, it it's it's a pretty enjoyable episode. I I, I dug it, and it, it 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 made me it made me look up the different uh, points of view about the literal nature of, of Satan or vice versa. And I looked up the Saving Wish trials to look into this. It, you know, so like it it, it caused me to mm-hmm. think and like learn about things that I was not uh, super well versed in. So you know, it's a it's a goofy well, episode go. that but also uh, you know kind of a that spurred us to like have a, a good discussion. So kind of the best of both worlds with the Star Trek episode, honestly, I think any, I, yeah. I, I just talked a bunch like not, not the, the episode best right, of both right, worlds, yeah. but uh, yeah. very different from that. I don't know. I, I was just jabbering a bunch. Like, you know what, any other thoughts you want to, you have about it? I, I think that may, that is kind of all I, again, it's, it's impressive that we had so much to say about, 20 minutes of television but yeah i think that kind of i think we covered pretty much oh wait, i actually have one more thing this is i was kind of saying earlier kind of a weird in a way a weird way like a weirdly foundational episode or not a foundational one but maybe like a one that kind of points to like other ideas you know have we, have we ever talked about the the droids cartoon no i think i read your um when when you were doing the like writing reviews of every piece of Star Trek canon. I read your your piece about yeah. uh, about it, but I don't know that we've ever okay. like talked yeah. to each other. So, about so it. I'll make this brief. But the uh, a few years ago, for a project I was working on that ended up not fully completing, where I was trying to watch like every piece of Star Wars media, every piece of like Star Wars, you know, uh, filmed or TV media to and, and write about it. I, re- I watched this old, old uh, cartoon called Droids, which I think might have been made. It's either made by the Filmation people or by Nelvana, I'm not sure. But, but again, both Nelvana and Filmation, not, you know, kind of notoriously not very good animation studios. And this show came out after the original, I believe after the original 
three movies, but then before kind of like anything else had, had happened with Star Wars. And it's just following, it's just the adventures of R2-D2 and C-3PO as they kind of like go around to different places and have different masters and stuff like that. And there's a bunch of really weird things in that show where even though Lucas did not work on it directly, I think Ben Burt did, the sound guy for, for the Star Wars movies, but I don't think Lucas worked on that show directly, but there is a bunch of stuff in it. It kind of got like re reused in weird ways in the prequel movies, especially, where there are, you know, like there's like this race, it's not a pod race, but there's like a speeder race that's called like the Bunta race or the Bunta Eve race or something like that, which is what the pod race is called in episode one. And there's a, a diner owner who has uh, four arms, like Dexter Jetster, and there's this weird like wheel bike thing, very similar to the thing that Jonah Grievous uses in episode three. And there's even uh, there's even a character in one of the one or two of the episodes whose name is Kaibo Ren, which you know. Yeah, I remember hearing you mention that. Me that that's <laughs> and like I have to wonder if you were a if you were a like a if you had seen that show when they announced that there was a character named Kylo Ren the in the in the in episode seven if if you were like like the guy from the cartoon if you, like you're like what's yeah wait they're they're putting him in a movie. <laughs> Because he's nothing like, I think you showed like a picture of him in the article I read, and he's like nothing like no, Kylo no, Ren, yeah. right? And so, anyway, that kind of was uh, made me think about this because uh, in in the Final Frontier in the Star in Star Trek Five, the uh, the Final Frontier, they do go to the center of the galaxy and they do meet uh, they they meet someone who is styling himself as God. Now it's been quite a few years since I've seen that movie, so I don't remember all of the details. But it almost kind of makes you wonder if this is something yeah. that Roddenberry was like, well, let's take another whack at it now that I'm in a movie. Kind of revisited. Again, like a strange, you know, again, like they kind of, and nobody, of course, nobody in that movie is like, oh, we were here one time, other time we met someone who was the devil. <laughs> like, you yeah. remember last time we were at the center of the galaxy? And then also, you know, the whole time when I was watching, now obviously like godlike beings, godlike beings are, are very common in uh, Star Trek, but I was watching this and especially at the end, Asmodeus is putting them all on trial and they're dressed up in like Earth outfits from a different time period. I was just thinking to myself, this is very, very Q-esque. Uh, you know, if you remember the pilot uh-huh. of the next generation where he is putting he puts a ship of he, he puts the enterprise on trial for the crimes of humanity and he is putting them on trial in different earth settings and he keeps on dressing up in different outfits and stuff and especially there's like kind of that one weird outfit that he wears like during kind of like the world war three kind of period of of yeah, yeah of earth and, and everything so again it just really reminded me of that where it's just like this all-powerful being who is has a taste for like kind of theater who is putting everybody on trial <laughs> now, is it in is it in the next generation or is it in Voyager that there's an episode where Q actually gets like kicked out of that's in the next Q generation collective? like the the John Delancey yeah, Q? yeah. is it in yeah. next generation okay so you've seen that one because that for some reason that one kind of came to mind for me a that's my favorite Q episode because that that's the one that starts with him getting transported uh, naked onto the deck of the Enterprise and it ends with him summoning a mariachi band that's a pretty it's a pretty great episode, but but anyway though, so yeah, just one of those things where it's like, huh, maybe maybe they did come back to this well a couple of times for a few other you know much more yeah. much more famous Star Trek concepts. But, but yeah, we are we are we definitely did talk. We're uh, we'll see how much this gets edited down. But right now on our <laughs> timer, we are at approximately three times the length of the of the episode itself. But, My goodness, uh, it was a fun convo though. I I enjoyed having it with you. Yeah, yeah, it was a lot of fun.
you know, thank you everybody for listening. We'll be back in a couple weeks uh, with our next uh, episode, which is uh, going, it's called, Will You Take My Hand? Episode 15 of season one of Star Trek Discovery. So it'll be, first of all, our first episode of Star Trek Discovery. And second of all, it will be our first episode with a real guest. We are going to have uh, Nicole and Caitlin from That's Now How Science Works, one of our sister podcasts on the show to talk about it. So it'll be, it's, it's, Yay. we've actually already recorded that one and it's a, it's a fun one. So I think people will. Yeah, we, yeah will that one's a lot of fun. And uh, you can check out their show, uh, not That's Now Science Works, which is a, yeah, sorry. You can check out their show, That's Not How Science Works, which is a kind of a scientific look at like various pieces of pop culture. We're, we probably, by the time this episode comes out, I'm guessing we probably will have already been on their show, but either that or we we will be or we will have been on their show to talk about a couple episodes of the Netflix reboot of Lost in Space. And uh, the, yeah, they're a good show. You check them out if you're interested in that kind of a thing. We also have uh, on the Kaleidoscope Media Network, we also have the horror podcast Here's Johnny uh, and the Harry Potter-based podcast Wizard Studies. So please check those people out. They're, they're, they're good shows. You should, you should listen to them. You can, if you want to talk to us on Twitter, you can follow us at Contracts uh, on Twitter. We are, you can email us at outofcontracts at gmail.com or you can uh, visit our website at outofcontracts.podbean.com. Contracts is spelled C-O-N-T-R-E-K-S. And I believe that's all we have for you today. So thank you everybody for listening. Thanks everybody. Bye. Although listeners of this podcast may find themselves brave for having withstood classic episodes like the body switching, the enemy within, or the gothic witchy horror of Cat's Paw, we at the Here's Johnny podcast like to dive even deeper into the genre of horror. That's right, Justin, and even though you really dated yourself naming off two super old episodes of Star Trek, here on the Here's Johnny podcast we review video games and films from all over the horror genre, looking at different subgenres like vampires, aliens, and zombies and we compare the similarities and differences between the media. We also have discussion-based episodes, which range from interviews with people in the industry, deep dives into directors, and their filmography or analysis into video game timelines. Yeah, that fictional history of Resident Evil was quite the doozy. But be sure to check us out. You can find us on any podcasting site. We have new episodes every Monday, and our website is heresjohnnypodcast.com. Wix site, W-I-X-S-I-T-E.com backslash horror. And on there, you can find links to our episode feed, all our social media. It is all there. And remember, in space, no one can hear you scream. And stay scary.